everyone, and hello, Brent. Hi, Alan. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am actually feeling excellent given the fact that I just flew in from Reykjavik last night. Landed around 6 p.m. And what foreign country is this in? Dude, you have, you have the geography knowledge of an American. You know, someone's got to keep the stereotype alive. The Reykjavik is the capital of Iceland. Oh, cool. So I knew it was the biggest city in Iceland, and I knew Iceland didn't have that many people, but I wasn't prepared for how small Reykjavik is. It's What could I compare it to? I, I was thinking about that the whole flight home. I took a picture so I could think about it some more. I don't know what the population is. I'm not going to look it up. One of the three can do that. But I was like in the tallest building in Reykjavik was eight-story hotel. Cool. <laughs> and it is small. It is. I, I don't have a good comparison. It is amazing how this is probably too philosophical for our podcast, but is it, I find it amazing how life always seems to find a way. It does, man. Right? You're in the middle of... There's multiple middles of nowhere where suddenly communities just start popping up. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, I was in... I got to do the right segue slash pin here because I was there for a meeting with my manager and my peers to talk about people and how they're doing, go over some strategy stuff, basically a two and a half day offsite, probably the best offsite of my entire career. Was there candy? Uh, yes, in the form of fermented grapes in a glass. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> but uh, not only did we have, are we super aligned on what we're doing? I mean, if there's one thing I could go to improve, go to improve the last three days, was I'm a big believer that great innovation. And actually, this happened at one time. That that breakthroughs happen from disagreement and having a uh, having an argument with people you trust. Being it's okay to have that argument. I think great things come from that. And now that I think back, one of the great insights we had, and the thing, this thing, this idea that just exploded upon us as a few things converged, did come from argument. So, wow, it was great. But one thing during the people discussion, I want to pin because something came up that's highly related to the principle we're going to discuss today. Okay. So I'm going to go make a note on that on the whiteboard so I don't forget where we keep our notes. And then uh, fill me in. What have you been up to since the last recording of A-B testing? Oh, by the way, A-B testing is <laughs> – I'm going to – one of the things on my backlog, one of the things on my backlog is to actually record a proper intro. I think I'm going to change the music and do a proper, like, fancy podcast intro. That wait, wait. I don't approve of changing the music. Okay. I'll figure something out. <laughs> I got to figure out how to – I want to do a proper intro for A-B testing so I don't forget to say crap, and we can just start off talking about crap. Are you going to do your um, your best practiced DJ radio voice? Uh, yeah. A-B testing. A-B testing, let me tell you. Wow! <laughs> uh, no, no. I'm going to, I, I will do something, though. Anyway, uh, if this is your first episode, probably not the best place to start, uh, although... If you want to listen, go ahead, because we are talking about modern testing principles. And on the podcast, we talk a lot about uh, software development, software quality, software testing, agile software, leadership, management, bunnies and squirrels, and this thing we've been talking about for the last, holy crud, like six months, eight months, a year, year and a half? At least a year. A thing called modern testing. And modern testing isn't modern 
in the sense that it's flying cars. It's just modern as compared to traditional testing. Anyway, uh, I'm going to let you read the back of the Chem Caner book while I go put a note on the board. So, Brent, what have you been up to? Uh, nothing much. Okay. Yeah. The, All right. There is very little excitement in my life at the moment baseball season's done. You mentioned that last time. Yeah, I know. You, we've talked about this before. Agreed. Things I can't talk about. I mean, there is a lot of really exciting stuff happening on the the work front. Yeah, I got some of that too. I'll talk. Well, at least mine I can chat with you a little bit about after we stop recording. Yep. But uh, and you probably have like secret stuff because you work at a big secret company. I'm sure you have secrets too. I do. I do. I have plenty of secrets. <laughs> oh, I have stories to tell. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't bring them up now. But anyway, sorry so about that. So your trip to Iceland, was that a, a work trip or a... Um, were you listening to me? We just had a three-day off-site in Iceland. Oh, right. No, I generally don't <laughs> listen to you. <laughs> Brett, Brett. <laughs> Holy <laughs> fudgesicles. Man. What's the name of the podcast? It's the 88th episode of AB Testing. And why don't we just dive right in to the seventh of the modern testing principles. Is that cool? That's cool. All right. You can read modern testing principles on moderntesting.org. And this is maybe a record in that we're only about six minutes in once I edit out Brent's brain farts. And we are actually talking about the topic of the day, which is fantastic because we have a whiteboard full of notes. Okay. Number seven is the one that, to me is becoming less and less controversial. Just absolutely makes sense, but it still causes a few heads to turn. What do you mean to you is less the, your observation is is No. In my context, it's like it's making where it made sense before, it is rock freaking solid. You could not convince me to back off on the second part of this one, which is the part that people see as controversial. No, we're, I we're, we're going to dive into that. I feel like I'm talking around it. Let me read it. And then we'll talk about crap. Do you have a place you want to start from your notes on the board so we can get going? No, start with reading the principle. Okay, here we go. Principle number seven. We expand testing abilities and know-how across the team, understanding that this may reduce or eliminate the need for a dedicated testing specialist. So with this principle, we can focus on the first half. And this ties in with principle number four about the quality culture and driving the quality culture on the team. But where this one is different, this is about, for me, make sure we're on the same page here. This one's about making sure the team knows the test approaches, test techniques. They know teaching them that bugs lurk around boundaries, teaching them how to design, chips for designing test automation. Let me take a different approach. Okay. Let's just take the controversy head on. But I, I... Dude, I, I said, know, let's I, take care of the first part first. Uh, we can talk about why the controversy isn't controversial most of the episode. But what is the essence of how does this, maybe you're going to get to this, but. I am. All right, I'm going to let you go, but you, you kind so, of. So principle seven. Yes. Principle seven to me uh, is essentially, it's the final straw in, in I think, the, the modern testing. Well, it's the final principle in the modern testing principles. But the observant uh, amongst the most observant readers of the modern testing principles will notice that we don't actually address testing until principle seven. That is true. 
And what principle seven is essentially stating is the modern tester doesn't test. Now, in, in, in a way, in a in way, way. And yeah. because, again, I stand by our statement that modern testing is a transient role. I'm sorry, a modern tester is a transient role, <coughs> meaning they are someone who helps the team adopt modern testing principles. So for me, essentially what number seven says is everything else above is executed so well, and the quality culture does cover some testing as well, but the team understands testing well enough across the team, spread throughout the team, that they may not need that dedicated testing specialist. They just it, It's the culmination. And there's, there's purposeful and developed and careful overlap between the principles. They build on each other, both sequentially and, and randomly. But number seven, as you mentioned, it's the pinnacle. It says if, you're, if you are a team following modern testing principles, and remember modern testing isn't about testing as much as it's about how you approach quality and software development. It's yep. modern testing as opposed to traditional testing. And if you follow those principles and the team gets what testing and quality are, you may not need a dedicated testing specialist. And that makes perfect sense. I think in this episode, you're going to be playing good cop the entire time. Therefore, I will play bad cop. One of the comments, one of the pieces of feedback I've seen, a lot of people will read number seven and run the risk of bit flipping the whole modern testing principles. I agree. And saying, oh my God, Brent and Allen are are just uh, on the same. Stupid. They will say we don't respect the craft, or or no, we're on the same meme. This is what I'm talking about. The same test is dead meme. And one of the things I want to say is that I'm actually we're not saying that. I have said I think it's on its way, and the thing that I will say is in this particular case you can you can either be the butterfly or you can be the wind so those who interpret this as a test is dead message and uh, respond from fear like the one thing i will say on that front is like first off fear actually isn't Real. This is super philosophical, but fear isn't real. It's about what might be, not what is. And so the intent on this one, going back to the first half of, your, of, of the principle, is like, no, you can control your own destiny. If you, if you understand the prior six principles, you will understand that your job and your business is better suited by you taking up the role and spreading the knowledge of how to do the testing activity. And as that testing activity is spread throughout your organization, not only will the business benefit, but one of the consequences, a testing specialist just isn't, won't be needed. One of the things I've noticed from those who dig in their heels and say this is who may reject this principle or modern testing principles because of this principle is there is a belief among many in testing. And, and let me and I'll interject if I can get my stack correct. I am happily blown away by how many people 
agree this is the right direction or tell me we're already doing this. Thanks for putting a name to what we're doing. It is not some fad that you, it's not an echo chamber of you and I talking about this thing. It is actually happening. It was happening without us. We are just trying to put names to the things we see that are happening and encourage others to go in this direction. So the fear or the worry I see, the biggest thing that comes to me from people who are digging their heels in on no is they believe that testing skills are a unique thing that is only learnable and practicable by people with a unique mindset and people that do specific areas of practice. And they believe that they are, I don't want to say special snowflakes, you may, but they believe they are uniquely suited to software testing and that skill that the developers, programmers of code, do not have the right, air quote, mindset to do testing. And what I've found, what what shifted me over this direction was I found that teaching developers to test was not only not that hard, it was fun for me. And it was fun for the developers I worked with. I have done this now on three different teams and indirectly. So now I went through two teams of teaching developers to test. And now I am teaching people to teach developers to test. And it is it works. Developers can learn to test. It isn't a unique, unteachable skill that needs to be done by a dedicated specialist. You know, I've been doing this now for so long. I'm beginning to forget what it was like when I held that belief. Like, to me, it is just absolutely clear in my mind that testing is an activity and not a job. Yes. Right? And for me, from a business point of view, it's a testing activity that dev not only should and can, but must do. And when I say must, I mean there are so many product-related benefits by getting dev on this. You end up with a much better design of the product. There's accountability and ownership. They're like, oh, yeah, I I, I thought of this test. I want to do this test. But accountability and ownership, uh, just quite honestly, I'm going to say that those are useless criteria. I don't think so. When people think of something themselves, they want to do it more. The biggest problem I have with accountability, this is an aside. Uh, the biggest problem the I have with... of our podcast. We're all yeah. sides. The biggest problem I have with the term accountability is that... So I pay attention to simultaneously the word choices people use, and then I pay attention to the actions that are associated with those word choices. And what I've come to conclude is that when the majority of people use the term accountability, what its purpose in life is, is to publicly identify who to blame when it all goes to shit. And I don't care about that. No, I I care more about self-accountability. I'm not talking talking about, yeah, I'm talking about self-accountability when I mentioned that. So yeah, I don't like that either. I don't even even associate that word that way anymore. (laughs) So the way I would phrase it slightly differently is that once the devs understand this, they realize, holy crap, it's actually not as hard as they thought, right? Because actually at this point in time, the testing has been around for so long, there are 
multiple devs that have been in the uh, in their arena or in their discipline for decades that have never actually owned testing. And so to them it's this mysterious burden. But when they real when it gets demystified, what you find is that no, it's a benefit to them because it allows them to control their own destiny, it allows them to reduce surprises at the end of the milestone, it allows them to control, you know, how many sleepless nights and weekends they're working and gain confidence that when they did their check-in, it's done and it's not coming back. Yes. Right? And so these are these are all strong benefits yeah. to to the actual developer. Whether it informs, you know, creates accountability or ownership, I don't know that that's really important. But what I do find from the human condition, what people want is to control their own destiny. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Right. They want to be the wind. They don't want to be the butterfly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I could reiterate and say exactly what I'm talking about. So we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to tell a meta story about modern testing. It's going to lead into this. Okay. Uh, I realize that I have to, it's actually be beneficial to tell the meta story. So, of course, I talk about modern testing a lot on this podcast. I have never once gone to my team and say, here is modern testing is what we're going to do. Some listen to the podcast. Hey, everyone. They go, yeah, we want to do modern testing. But what I do on my team instead is make sure that the principles, not in name, like follow this principle, but it, it guides what we do. And we've been focusing a lot recently on the quality culture and, and not just on my team across all of unity. One of the things we discussed in our offsite last week is how our people in QA, our testers, they are accountable. I'm going to use that word again for nurturing, as we say in principle number four, that quality culture. Yep. And we talk about the quality culture a lot and people, and they get that everybody, everybody, all of Unity QA is on board with, yes, we need to improve the quality culture. And here's some approaches on how to do it. I talked to them that's worked on my team. Everybody's fully on board. That's good. So one of the things that came up in the offsite, we had a people discussion. It's not like a Microsoft stack ranking. We just talk about what people are doing, how they're doing. The twist on this is on the potential category. Uh, we're talking about people's potential. We talked, we framed it a little bit around how well, around leadership skills and how well they could drive uh, a quality culture or modern testing principles across the org. So that's the meta part on how I push or guide the team towards modern testing principles, both on my team and outside of my team. But I had it, I was a little afraid to say it out loud, but I did, and I, and I wasn't too afraid. I wanted to see what would happen. I was ready for a discussion. But I, when talking about one of my employees, I said, Pretty much something like this, blah, 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 they're working on this and this, this. Probably be the first person on my team, first person on my team who probably won't do any testing as part of their day-to-day job. And everybody got it. They said, okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't have to explain that. Nobody went, what the f-? It, it was like, oh, okay, cool. That's great. No, the, the- I, see, I, I see why you think they're great. That's awesome. Yeah, no, uh, the fact that you are basically saying this guy is probably going to be the first across this line, and when that happens, that is a win for the business, right? Um, 
in the fact that that seems to be universally understood? Uh, unless your leadership team does what I do, and that is ignores you when you're talking. No, no, no. We are good at calling. We are good at calling each other out. I think if I would have said yeah. that six months ago in our meeting, uh, it, there, 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 there would have been more discussion. <laughs> but in this case, with head nods, oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, awesome. It's like you're doing the right thing there. Yeah, um, that's that's great to see. Uh, in terms of this stuff, I mean, that that might be relevant. What do you think? What do you think? Because in, in principle seven, we're basically saying, you know what? It doesn't matter if testers is dead or not. You doing this, shifting the testing activity to the whole team, especially the development team, and re- removing the the bottleneck around the testing specialist. That benefits the business. Sure. And what you're saying is, hey, you got tacit agreement in your business that either they observe that or they see or they observe the promise of it. Which do you think it is and how do you think you got there? I got there because we took off we loosened the tourniquet versus ripping off the band aid. We okay. talked about this before where many teams have failed moving to a no tester team is by Ripping off the Band-Aid and blood spurts everywhere and people die. Yep. Metaphorically. Uh, This has been a very gradual change. And I believe that's the reason it's working. And I believe that's the way it will work for 99 or more percent of the teams out there. The gradual change. And and your pace of gradual can be more or less than mine. But it's worked because both on a individual level, people reporting to me, on the teams they work on, and then on my overall management team. And the, the weird part is, is I'm in a separate basically division from the rest of my peers. So we don't overlap that much at all. Okay. Uh, so it's services are, for the most part, just completely separate from... There's part of my org that overlaps, but largely separate. So they have begun to see what's going on over here on, on my team, over, over on my team, and begin to adopt some of those things. But I think as far as my peers accepting that was just seeing... I mean, we've been talking about quality culture across the org together. I think they see it from that. They get where we want to go. What building a quality culture roadmap has helped me to do, and we can maybe dive into this in a future episode, is it's it's a framework or a model that's worked to get everybody on the same page with what we want uh, quality to do across Unity. And it's, again, I haven't... It's a model. All models are wrong. Some are useful. But it's helped drive even teams outside of mine towards something that looks like modern testing. Like you saw a rough, you saw an early draft of this. So yeah. This, no, this is what we're working from. No. And, and I, um, it reflects many or most of the modern testing principles and moving from the left to the right in the, uh, for better, for not the right word for the maturity model I built. No, I know. Uh, and I think we'll probably end up talking about it on the, the podcast. Um, cause I think it's a good follow up. Like, this, you know, episode seven or the series that we're doing right now is around what the hell do we mean when we say this? Right. Right. I think in the next series of follow-ups will probably be more practical around, hey, this is the phase. This is what it means. Like, again, it's this whole concept is a living. Yeah. 
Yeah. Breathing and thing I, on its Although own. I will say in advance, uh, I think we better do a, a mailbag episode in 89 to catch up on a lot of questions. I agree. Um, then we'll figure out what to do after that. But what do you think? Was there anything? So I get your approach. I get the strategy. But for the listeners, like what is when you if you were to do this all over again, knowing what you've learned now, because you were kind of also making it up as you went along. Um, if you were to go back and, and say, OK, if I were to start this all over again, what would have concretely been your first goal? Given that you were trying to so, ease uh, into it. I'll have to think for a minute while I talk, but my gut reaction is not much. It wasn't as much as that I figured out what I was doing when I went along. Of course, I've, I'm, I always adapt and adjust as I go along. What I've done as I've moved along is tried to document how I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, maybe I would have dove into building that model a little earlier. A lot of the, the reason that I was able to spit that out, the reason it's been pretty adoptable uh, without a lot of editing by a large part of the team is because it was all in my head first. Well, so it, so one of the things that I, I know... It, it, it explained what was in my head. So I had to... Sometimes you have to dump out what you do intrinsically for people to understand it and, get, and you understand. You definitely had a vision. Yes. Right? Um, and over the last year plus, I think we've put a, a, put a name to that vision in combination with what you're doing now as well as my own experiences on this front, right? Your experience is you slowly uh, loosened the tourniquet, right? Yeah. My experience, I was, dis- it, was, it was a Band-Aid rip. Right. Right? But in, I was able to succeed through it because I had testing experience and several of my ICs had testing experience. So... Um, like one of the things I think helped me deal with the the Band-Aid rip is with the fact that I was in charge and I had this balanced experience. Yes, and that would help too. So one thing to keep in mind is, and again, I go back to the phrase from Heffitz, disappoint people at a level they can absorb, which is also loosening the tourniquet at a level you can handle. Uh, there are parts of my org, in fact, a big chunk of my org, where – Things were going fine. We had the right leadership in place, both from uh, executive leadership as well from people on the team that knew what they were doing, that we did eliminate the test role. So parts of my team, we've done that, and it was the right time, and it's worked out very well. I'm not, and I know which parts of my team that will happen in next, and I know which parts will take a while longer, but it's, so my role is a lot about keeping an eye on how much bleeding is coming out on the tourniquet, continually loosening it, to keep the metaphor going <laughs> and finding out when the right time is to take it off completely. So on parts of my team, it's just a very gradual experience to make sure we get it right. On parts of my team, we're there and I've done it. And eventually, as I mentioned before on the podcast, if I do my job right and we get this far, uh, I no longer have direct reports and I do something different at Unity. I have a hypothesis here. Okay. And it's it's entirely anecdotal and based on what I've observed over the last couple of years here at Microsoft. And I think it potentially aligns with what you're saying. I do think this push towards a a combined engineering model is unstoppable 
and unified engineering. Sorry, thank you. The unified <laughs> engineering model uh, is unstoppable, and it will eventually be more common than not. But that means a lot of companies' teams are going to go through transition. And my hypothesis presently is when you do that and you have a separated discipline, you're going to have a, a different ordering or you're going to have a set of ICs on both sides and a set of managers on both sides. And the, the task is how do you intermix this? My hypothesis, and I will say it is absolutely untested or unproven. But my hypothesis is if you form this up and you have a former dev manager as the manager of the team now, you have to take the 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 boil the frog approach. But if it's the other way around and you put the test manager in charge, as long as he's worth his salt in management, um, no, I think I think you can rip the bandaid. I that's my I, hypothesis. I think that could work. Um, the they may not even be the the test manager. I think a leader. You need a you need a leader with the experience on the team. So probably the manager. But one of the things I'm doing on all my teams is making sure we have those leaders in place to help work directly with everyone on the team to make sure they know what to do. Because right now we have dev managers in place, which I think is fine. Dev managers in charge, which is fine. But they need you know, this is what I did. This is basically what I did on my last couple teams at Microsoft. I was the the quality guy. Yep. Air quote. And my job was to make sure that everyone did the right types of testing. And eventually we did some of that for them through some vendors, but long story. So yeah, I I think your hypothesis is correct. You need it doesn't work if you don't have people on your team who deeply understand testing to help with the transition. No, yeah. Uh no, for a but, while but, for a while you need a deep specialist to help the team become generalizing specialists. And I'm now thinking through why do I think that when you when you if you do the uh, reorg model where the former dev manager is the one that's still in charge, why do you need to to ease the frog or boil the frog? It's essentially because you're now actually also you not only need to also teach the dev, the new development ICs or the new unified engineers, you know, how this quality culture works. But you need to teach that guy uh, or gal what is the measures that now define success. Because in some regards, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fly in the face of their experience, right? Um, a lot of the times is, you know, how, pre- how a- accurate are your estimates, Right. Um, right. But now you're actually making that guy a little bit more holistic. And what I found actually is is test managers moving into that role already get the dev side of it. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I, I believe that's true. And that's 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 the modern tester role. Right. So let me talk about DevOps for a minute. And this again, I will I will dive, jump in on the outside and center back on the world. Some company did a survey recently that irked me a little bit because they, uh, I and I have I have semantic buttons that you can push on me all over the place. 
not as bad as some, but bad enough. So they're talking about DevOps and they were surprised in their survey that only 50% of the teams they surveyed had dedicated DevOps teams. And I thought, what the fudge sickle? Because Was to me... too high or too low? Well, to me, as I learned DevOps and I studied DevOps, DevOps is a culture. It is. But you could have a DevOps team that would help the team drive towards that culture. So what I tweeted a while back, which I think is relevant here, is I said, after reading that, I said, I'm in the DevOps is a culture, not a role camp. Yet I'm only slightly annoyed that there are DevOps roles or teams as those people and teams are there to create a culture of DevOps on the team. Eventually the team will have a DevOps culture and not need a DevOps team. Yeah, so I don't... Correct? I I don't. I don't don't need elaboration. So then I tweeted again and I replaced one word. See if you can tell the difference. I'm in the quality is a culture, not a role camp. Yet I'm only slightly annoyed that there are quality roles or teams if those people or teams are there to create a culture of quality on the team. Eventually, the team will have a quality culture and not need a quality team. WTF is the difference. Uh, you just <laughs> replaced quality and yeah, DevOps. But it's, it still <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, I guess the only problem I had with what you said is if you had said everything and said the word test... But you're right. I don't think you need a quality role either. So going back to that survey, to me, it's – I think they were – if you take it from a, a more respectful point of view and you go, okay, this company, whoever did this, they had some expectation that the majority of companies that had DevOps were in, let's say, the first maturity phase of going to a DevOps system. Right, in that first maturity phase, it's brand new knowledge. Yeah, you need to bring in specialists. You need to bring in experts no, I, and that I, can teach the others. Yes. And a lot of the times that expert's going to be doing the 80% of the work because it's all a bootstrapping effort. Yeah, it's bootstrapping and leadership. Yes. Absolutely. It's bootstrapping and leadership, which leads to a question I've heard about this, which is a good question, but I think with an obvious answer based on what you just said, at least in my opinion. I've had people ask me, hey, Angry Weasel, they say, because that's what they call me. Uh, a lot of people do. Yeah, a lot of people do. So let's say I have a team that gets to a stage where they don't need a dedicated testing specialist, and we go on for a while, and there's turnover, and the team changes, and that knowledge of testing is lost. Now what do they do? Well, one you retrospect on why that knowledge of quality and why that knowledge of testing was lost on the team and figure out what, what to fix. This shouldn't just go away. But two, maybe maybe you do go back and, and bring in a consultant. You're hire, you don't go hire a test team because you forgot how to test, but you can bring in a, air quote, modern tester role to help you get back on track. Right. The it, same as you'd hire a, like, oh man, our DevOps went to shit. Sorry, sorry, iTunes. The it's answer just got is essentially... Changed. You do it again. Yes. Right? But but I think you're absolutely right because in that scenario, it's hypothetical, right? Because I'm like, how would this suddenly – how would this knowledge suddenly just – Yeah, I don't, I don't think it would. It was a hypothetical question. Right. If you do it right, in a way, you go from a 
modern tester helping the team transition if the whole team understands modern testing principles? And we don't do this stuff just for the... The modern testing principles aren't important just for the sake of following principles. They help you make better software. Yeah. There, there is like... If you are kicking butt on the principles... Nobody's going to want to go backwards. Go, oh, I don't want to do so much testing. It was more fun when customers were bitching all the time. It's been a while right, uh, where I brought up the the monkeys experiment, which there's debate as to whether or not it's an actual experiment or just a modern Aesop's fable. But this is the one mm-hmm. where with the monkeys the, and the, the ladder and yeah, the bananas. The, the electric shock and the – and yeah, 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 yeah. Right. And – where essentially there is social pressure to conform. Mm-hmm. So once you have built up the quality culture and it's, and it's achieved its, its tipping point and it's now part of the subconscious mul- muscle memory of how your team does business, how does that go away? Well, the only way it goes away is if you get rid of all the people who have learned this muscle memory and start new. Yep, I fully or that. isolation. If you have the same people and suddenly isolation comes into play, hopefully that's because of some business imperative that's t- temporary. But if it's not, then yeah. root yeah. out and get rid of it again. And one thing to be, I, I want to be clear on is modern testing principles or modern testing as we talk about it isn't a huge leap forward. We've, we've been doing Agile for a long time. Pretty good at it. A few holes. Then uh, Crispin and Gregory, the Agile testing books, fantastic. We talk about them all the time. It like, okay, that's how testing works there. They talk about the whole team quality approach. All, we're just essentially taking our experiences and what's worked and extending on that even farther and doubling down on the whole team approach. Yep. And raising the value of the importance of data. So there was a a Twitter feed or a a, a Slack channel conversation. uh, I forget which at this point in time where people were like, yeah, this is all, all, you know, pipe dream philosophy. So, and, and the thing uh, is I completely ignore those things because even though from their point of view, it's theoretical, for me, it has long since stopped being. Yes, yes. No, for the thing to, again, we're in a little bit of an echo chamber here. If, you've, yeah. if you're listening to this episode, you're nodding your head going, yes, yes. But what has been interesting to me, and I mentioned Kaner's book earlier because we walked into our recording our, our recording studio and someone had left a copy of Kem Kaner's testing software in the room. Uh, so I, it just kind of funny to see where we come from, traditional versus modern testing. Yes. But... For everyone that's like, you know, pipe dreams and dumb and, you know, this is wrecking testing or ruining the craft, the number of people nodding their heads and saying things like, we're already doing that. Or I had, there was one person I mentioned before on the uh, episode where, I'm sorry, on the episode on the podcast where they showed my talk at Test Bash and to their dev team and the devs said things like, it seems like common sense to me. Yeah. It should. It should be common sense. We're trying to, just like I did with the culture stuff that you've seen on my team, we've tried to take things that we have been talking about in essence and boil them down to principles. We've tried to 
to document what it is we're saying. So you don't have to listen to hours and hours of podcasts to kind of get what is it we believe about where about where quality comes from. That is a whole additional philosophy. I think it's something we should just go deeper in, uh, on, on that. The first thing is, in my view, if you look, look back and think about the summation of the modern testing principles, what we see is, hey, there is a lot of value in this community in terms of its ability to help drive up customer quality and that there is a lot of value in driving up that that customer value to the business we also see number one testing is is on its way out uh, i'll just say it that no, way no let's put it that way testing is not on its way out no Testers, testing specialists, that, that's, yeah. is on its way out. Testing is still necessary. Thank you for that correction. But the business more benefits at this transitional stage by us sitting with the developers and helping them to own it. Yeah. And then us doing something that's even more valuable, pursuing value versus reducing costs and going, all right, now how do we take our, our strengths and our skills around customer advocacy, make them real and focus on what actually makes these customers happy, yeah. what actually pisses them off, mm -hmm. and carve a new role for these folks. Yeah, yeah. And to be clear, as I mentioned this person on my team who – I said would be the first person to probably not do testing as part of their job. I'm not firing them. They have, they are still a testing specialist. They are there if a testing expertise is needed, but they're focused on some of these other things that bring value to the customer and doing some feature work as well. There is another thing that I've observed. So now I'm going to ask you to go back to the days where you still worked at Microsoft. You and I survived, and there hasn't been another big hit to test, but that's mostly because at Microsoft test is, there's still some pockets, but it's mostly gone. But in our careers here, we went through major, several major transitions to the test discipline. Right. Um, sure. One, you know, get rid of the manual testers. Two, uh, there's a several others I'm forgetting. But the one pattern, and, and you and I actually talked about this long ago in, in the test architecture group that you used to maintain. One of the things we observed is that after a year or so after that transition, all the doom and gloom that was predicted didn't happen. No, it didn't. Not only that. But it caused a lot of sensationalistic tweets from the outside looking in. It did. But not only that, the people who went through that transition – personally ended up benefiting more. Sure. Right? We, we saw that they were considered more credible. We saw uh, promotion rates as a community as a whole actually moved right. Shift. Yep. That is correct. And in this case, it's no different. What we're saying, what I'm actually saying is it doesn't make sense to own this anymore. That seems to be the trend. 
if you are a modern tester and you are leading this, particularly if you're in a manager role, start working with your guys and easing them into the transition mm -hmm. and give them a new place for their career to go. And that new place is a more positive one. Yes. And I think I'm repeating myself here, but if you're worried about your, you like, I like the principles, but I want my job to go away. I like testing. Uh, still, I would expect none of my team does more than, they all do far less than half the testing on the team. From that point, it's a sensible transition where they do less and less. The only parting wisdom I would say on this particular topic is within Microsoft, and I know because it's, um, it's now documented, I saw the signs of this occurring uh, around three years before it actually occurred, right? Because I saw the, where the momentum was going. I saw what would be the obvious conclusion. And I also saw what the bottleneck was. The bottleneck was executives were unsure and they needed someone to yeah. show the way. And I knew that once that occurred, it would be rapid. And I had people come back and accuse me of being prescient. And I'm like, no, I, I wasn't foretelling the future. I just analyzed this. Hindsight 2020, though, during that phase, I spent a lot of time arguing with people who, who held on to white knuckles uh, with their current thing. And I realize now that that was pretty much a waste of my time. So some people are going to merge into it. Some people are going to be open and spend your time influencing those. But I would recommend a three strikes you're out rule on the folks that are just defending the status quo. You can't save everyone. And the ones who don't want to be saved your time is better spent on investing in the ones that yep. do. One, uh, hopefully that's good. One parting comment is we want to do questions next time about modern testing principles around data, around anything you want. You want to know what color my hair is? I'll tell you. It's the same color it's always been. Great. A, a few more gray hairs in there. Uh, you can either join our Slack channel and go to angryweasel.com, whack AB testing and find that. Or you can just email me at alan at angryweasel.com, and I will make sure your questions hopefully get answered on the air. Yep. Cool? All right. Mailbag episode next time. Mailbag. For sure. We'll give that a shot. All right. I am Alan. I'm Brent. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.